This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. From Los Angeles, California, I'm Lovan Roop, and this is the Low Life Podcast. Today, a conversation with two stylists, Rachel Zoe and myself, Lo Von Roof. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I'm just such a mess. Oh, God. Okay, so I've been listening to the New York Times Daily Podcast with Michael Barbaro. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is a Daily. And he's an amazing host. That just takes like breathy pauses and is very dramatic in the way he speaks. I love him as a host. I think he's great. Um, no shade. I've imitated him before, but imitation is the best form of flattery. And I love me some Michael Barbaro. It's a great podcast. Interesting thing about him. Didn't know this, but he was married to a guy uh, for eight years and then got divorced from this dude and then married his producer, who is a female, Lisa Tobin. Interesting. It's interesting because I usually hear about like straight men that end up eventually coming out of the closet and then leaving, you know, their partner, their wife, and then they end up in a gay relationship. But I I actually don't know of anyone. I'm sure there's many cases of this, but I just don't know any personally besides Michael Barbaro of a guy who married uh, another male in a gay relationship and then leaves and then enters a straight relationship um, marriage wise. Anyway good for him as long as he's happy. And I love it. And the podcast is great. Uh, welcome to the Low Life Podcast. <laughs> My name is Lo Von Roomp, and I'm so happy to be here with you guys today. I hope you're having a good day and I hope you're having a good week so far. And if you're not having a good week, well, don't you worry, boo-boo. You've come to the right place. If you're feeling a little stressed, overwhelmed, just sad, just shit's not going well for you this week, I'm about to turn that frown upside down because we have a great show in store for you today. I'm very excited about today's guest. I am. I love it. And I'm in a good mood today. Solid 7.8 out of 10 for me today, <laughs> you know, which is a high number for me these days. You know, yesterday, you know, that phrase like waking up on the wrong side of the bed. That was me yesterday. Like I used to hate when people say that. I'm like, what does that even mean? But I kind of get it now. I didn't really sleep much, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And I was just in a mood, like in a funk, like kind of an asshole, like to myself. I don't know. I just <laughs> was not my best version of myself um, because I didn't get enough sleep. Like that really does it for me. If I'm getting like four hours, mm -mm, I need a solid eight to survive and thrive in today's society. So anyway, needless to say, yesterday was rough. But today, it's a new day, and I'm already feeling good because I'm here with you. This podcast brings me joy. And then I'm also making one of my favorite drinks right now. Mm -hmm. This one's delicious. I want to share it with you. I'm a little nervous to share this drink with you right now because you're going to probably think I'm complete trash. Just disgusting for what I'm about to do. But this is a judgment-free zone. So, okay, making my little drink before we do this podcast. So what I do is I take some frozen berries from Trader Joe's. I like the mixed berries. We're doing blackberries, some blueberries, maybe some strawberry slivers in there. And you put them into the glass. Okay. All right. So you add, you know, a little scoop of berries. Then you're going to take some LaCroix. LaCroix, LaCroix, well, however you pronounce that shit. I don't know why I continue to buy these. Like, I buy all the different flavors and I'm like, ooh, there's the popple mousse or whatever. But like, they all kind of taste the same. It's just like a barely a whisper of a flavor, but I keep coming back for more. I prefer Topo Chico. So if you have the Topo Chicos up in your casa, it's going to be a much better drink. But all we have today is LaCroix. So take your LaCroix, pop the sucker open. Then you're going to add the LaCroix on top of the berries. Ever so gently. Nice pour. Oh, wow. That's so satisfying. Okay. So then once you got your berries, your LaCroix, then you're going to go in with, all right, this is where I'm probably going to lose you. So you're going to go in with a to-go packet, crystal light 
to-go packet in fruit punch flavor. <laughs> you can get them at your local Walmart, CVS. I got these ones at Walgreens, um, but it has to be fruit punch flavor. And I like the to-go packets. The big ones, it's just overwhelming. These little tiny packets, you're supposed to put this whole thing in your water bottle. You don't need the whole thing. You just need a little, like two little pinch pinches is will do the trick for flavor. Just want some of that fruit punch flavor. By the way, these crystal lights, it's five calories per half packet, no carbs, no sodium, no fat, no protein, no sugar. It kind of freaks me out. I'm like, what's in here then? Mercury? Poison? I don't know, but it's delicious. So you add a couple little pinches of this. Okay. And then you're going to give it a little mix. And it gets kind of frothy. Like, you know, those uh, fancy coffee drinks with like the, the foam, like the cold brew with that foamy shit at Starbucks. It kind of looks like one of those, but just like a beautiful color. Okay. And then I like to throw a little lemon wedge or lime, throw a little bit in there for some citrus zest, if you will. If you're feeling a little frisky, you want to have some fun coming up on the weekend, throw a shot of tequila in there. It's delicious. Maybe rim it with some tahine. That's something else I like to do. Today, I'm going with a virgin cocktail, but I like to call this one my trashy sangria, <laughs> my low lifer trash sangria. And it is delightful. And I will say when I pull out crystal light packets in front of my friends, they're like, low, like, are you kidding me? Like who buys crystal light? What are you 90? I guess it's a popular item amongst people of a particular age, like 85 and up. But I don't know. I love me some crystal light and it's five calories a pack, right? Yeah, and there's like nothing in here except probably harmful chemicals. But anyway, just to treat yourself once in a while. It's nice. So I'm having my trashy sangria and I recommend you have a little low life or trashy sangria especial too. It's very aesthetically pleasing, this drink. It's like a deep red color. You have all these beautiful frozen berries in there. Like it's a good looking drink. Like this would be at one of those like bougie bars. You know, this would be like a $16 cocktail and I'm getting it over here for what? 75 cents, you know, design on a dime. Don't knock this drink till you try it. Give it a chance. Okay, so I get asked the question, like, who is your dream client to silo or or who would you get starstruck for? Like, is there anyone like if you could meet one person low? Like, who would that person be? Like, if You could have like a little meet and greet situation. And I ask you the same question as you're listening to this right now. If you could have one person meet and greet any person in the world, it would be a political figure could be a musician, an actor, actress, like a group, whatever. Like, who would that person be for you? When people ask me the style question, like, who was my dream client to style? Most people always assume like, oh, Mariah Carey, right? Because you love her. Like, you'd love to meet Mariah or style her. Answer is no. False, my friend. I do not want to style Mariah Carey. And the reason why is because I've met some people in this little industry. It's a small world people talk. And I know people who have had first hand encounters with Mariah and that whole like diva. I'm very difficult shtick. Like that's her. That's her thing. And she's like riding that to the wheels fall off. So she's notoriously difficult to work with. And I've had enough people tell me that like, oh, God, Mariah was a nightmare. She was so difficult. She screamed at me like I've heard such horror stories from people throughout the years. I mean, I've met a lot of people who have worked very closely with her. So that being said, I like to admire Mariah from afar. I've been defending her since I was freaking in eighth grade. I love all her bangers. And I just want to keep my love and admiration for this incredible vocalist from afar. Don't need to meet her. Don't need to style her. Like, let's not ruin the happy place that I get to when I listen to all her amazing bangers. You know, I just want to listen to Fantasy, Honey, One Sweet Day featuring Boys to Men. Like, all of these amazing songs. Let me listen to them in peace and tranquility and just clean my house and sing in my underwear. Like that's my Mariah place. Don't need to see her in person. Certainly don't need to style her because she'd be probably a nightmare and it would just ruin everything for me. So needless to say, if I'm thinking about anyone I'd like to meet, there's not many. Janet Jackson, though. that's one I would probably if Janet walked into the room right now, I would probably let out a gay gasp like, <gasps> Janet. Oh my God, Janet Jackson's here. I would get very excited for her. I would fangirl a little bit inside voice, like internally screaming, uh, because I love me some Janet Jackson. Huge fan of Michael. I know it's a polarizing figure. 
leave that at the door. He's had some incredible hits, music that's changed my life. Man in the Mirror brings me to my knees to this day. It's beautiful. And Janet is the closest thing I'm going to get to Michael. And plus, I would freak out for Janet because she's like such a nostalgic type artist for me. Like my mom was obsessed with her and they're the same age. And I grew up listening to Janet dancing in the living room, in the kitchen. My mom would put on freaking Rhythm Nation, Control. My mom had that little hoop earring with the key hanging from it <laughs> and a perm. <laughs> God, so good. And my mom would do like all the choreography, like teach me how to dance. And she's like, if there's one thing you're going to learn in life, it's how to dance, mijo. You got to have rhythm. So she put that music on and we'd just be tearing it up, dancing together. And so I grew up just loving her music, her music videos, her style. I mean, I used to want to dress like Janet Jackson. Like she's everything. I actually think I'm more of a super fan for like a Janet Jackson than I am for Mariah. Well, I, don't, I love Mariah though. Like the vocals, she's a vocalist, you know, she's got the pipes. But anyway, I hold a special place in my heart for the entire Jackson family. Tito, LaToya, Jermaine, Jerome, whatever, all of them, love them all, but Janet especially. Not to mention everyone I know who's worked with her. I have about four friends who've, you know, worked very closely with her and they all say the same thing. Janet is so sweet. What you get is what you see. Sugar, spice, everything nice. Like they are all so happy to work for her and they just love her. I think to people that I get excited to meet or anyone like I fangirl over, and it's not really like famous people, like celebrities, like that doesn't really do it for me. Actually, it doesn't do it for me at all, to be honest, <laughs> because I feel like I just know too much now. Like I've been in L.A. well over a decade and I've been working in this little entertainment bubble for a long time, over 10 years. So so I've gotten to see things and been to some dark places and seen a lot of shit in my days. And, and I just tell you, it's all smoke and mirrors. So these people, these celebrities are no different than the rest of us they shit and put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. And they have their problems. Sometimes I think like worse problems than like a normal civilian who's not in the public arena would be dealing with. Like they're dealing with substance abuse and, you know, just a lot of weird shit. So anyway, just know a lot of them are actually going through it and are miserable and nobody would know it. Nobody knows. Although, I mean, uh, social media does kind of help lift that smoke and mirrors and the, that velvet curtain. So if you're not a nice person, you know, it's easier to tell like, okay, that's kind of a dick because of, you know, social media and everyone's filming everything with their phone. So, you know, if people are having meltdowns and stuff like word spreads fast, you know, I guess that's why you have to be really thankful to have a power publicist because you're paying that publicist about $5,000 a month to make sure your narrative is kept clean. People end up still loving you in the public eye <laughs> because of a publicist is, you know, orchestrating the whole thing to keep you in the clear so you don't lose sponsorships and brand deals and endorsements. And anyway, it's all a game. Not getting into that. I get inspired by different artists, producers, directors, even stylists, which brings me to today's guest, Miss Rachel Zoe. All right. So I remember watching the Rachel Zoe project like back in the day. I was all of like, 18 years old. I had just come to Los Angeles and I was watching this show. I was seeing this little powerhouse of a woman with her oversized coat and her big glasses and her bronzy skin and her venti lattes just going around in an SUV rushing off to the Grammys and the Emmys. And she was always stressed out. And she had two assistants, Brad Goreski and Taylor, whatever her last name is. And they were always fighting. And it was like so much drama and just stress. And and always be like, the alterations are screwed up. Like, Brad, we need Anne Hathaway's dress like yesterday. Like, literally, Brad, I'm going to die if Anne Hathaway does not get her dress for the Oscars. I literally want to cut myself in half. I literally felt like vomit coming up. You're literally dead. We literally are going to need to pull dresses out of our asses. Or whatever. Like, it was always like crazy situations happening and... It was so good. Really good TV. And I watched this and I was like, where do I sign up? Like, I want to do that. <laughs> but I was so drawn to the world of styling. Um, but Rachel Zoe, uh, having that platform and putting herself out there on television on Bravo, it was a really good series and it ran for like five years. Uh, but it really opened up America to the world of styling. I mean, before Rachel Zoe, 
I mean, there were stylists, of course, and I was familiar with those people because I was interested in the career, but you know, mainstream Rachel Zoe, you know, became a household name. But what drew me to Rachel specifically, besides the big glasses and the fact that she always said bananas, I loved it. I love the way she talks, but was her approach to styling. I mean, we're all artists in this industry, you know, whether you're a hair, a makeup or a stylist or, you know, it's a form of artistry. And what brings you into that profession so you can perfect your craft, it's everyone has different reasons. I think for what I've noticed with most people in my industry, my colleagues, if you will, fellow stylists, they get into this industry. And usually it's because they just love fashion and designers. And that really draws them in, whether it be the craftsmanship and how something is made or, you know, a specific design house. And they're just so drawn to it, specifically, you know, luxury brands and the construction of garments and, you know, and dressing people, specifically celebrities. And there's a lot of appeal to that. And they love that, you know, aesthetic. And it's just, it is beautiful. And I know Rachel Zoe loves that too. And she appreciates, you know, the craftsmanship and artistry that a designer brings to a specific design house. But what I picked up on from her was the fact that she was a psychology major before she was even in the world of fashion. Like she didn't go to school for fashion and I didn't either. She came from a family and entrepreneurs. Her father was an entrepreneur. So she has that business side to her. So do I. And I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. uh, And I also wanted to be a psychology major. And I didn't know if I wanted to get into fashion. I just knew that I loved it. But my approach to it was more on the psychological side. That's what drew me in. And it was a very similar situation for Rachel Zoe, who has 20 years on me. So I was able to see this person. I was like, oh, I. I get it. Like, you don't have to be like this fashionista obsessed with design, you know, to be able to get in the fashion industry. Like, as long as you have an eye and you perfect it over the course of, you know, several years and you you kind of hone in on it. But what motivates you is, you know, something completely different. And for me, that's the transformational process, the psychosis that goes into actually styling someone. I love all those bougie brands, but it doesn't matter to me if it's H&M, Target or Ferragamo, Louis Vuitton, like as long as the person feels good and there's a transformational process as someone who feels, you know, maybe insecure about themselves or they're really nervous, they're going to be critiqued, you know, with all these crazy cameras and, you know, HD cameras shooting flashes at you for a red carpet. So for them to trust me and say, Lo, I want to feel good. I want to feel confident. And I put that trust in you. It's a big responsibility and I do not take it lightly. And and that high that I get from seeing someone light up after feeling just so good about themselves, it's addicting to me. Keeps me coming back for more after all these years. So I see that side in Rachel is it is very psychological and you do form close bonds with clients and, you know, it gets very vulnerable. And so that's why I was really inspired by Rachel Zoe's career. And I love that she doesn't take herself too seriously. Like, yeah, she's worked with some amazing A-list actors, and all that stuff. But like, whether she's name dropping or not, like Rachel Zoe keeps it real and she's authentic. And I love that about her. And I was wondering, like, what direction should I go on this podcast? Because I listened to previous interviews she's done in the past on, you know, other shows and podcasts and things. And they were very stylistically driven. Like, what are the trends? You know, must haves for women, you know, how to dress type questions, what's in, what's out. And, and I was thinking to myself, like, I could answer all those questions. Like I'm a stylist. Like I, I'm a trend forecaster, just like Rachel's like, I I get that side of it. And I just feel like what I'm more interested in, in having this time with Rachel, which I was kind of like fanning out a little bit. Cause I'm like, wow, like this is an OG in the industry, like someone who's really paved the way for people. So I fangirl a little bit. I do like, you could hear it in the podcast. And I know she was so sweet and very flattered and she's super humble, but I wanted to take a little bit of a different approach. And Yeah, I love the stylist side of Rachel, but I kind of wanted to get to know the woman and all the different facets of her personality. So the mother, the wife, the CEO, the business owner, the author, there's so many dimensions to this person. And, you know, she has a podcast now and I mean, she doesn't even talk about style. She's talking about relationships and her marriage with Roger, who she's been with for like over 20 years, which is unheard of for people these days. I mean, specifically in L.A., like, damn, they really got that secret sauce, you know? So I wanted to talk to her about all different dimensions of her and, and just really get to know her, which I got to do. Of course, the conversation went 
overtime. So this is a two-part especial for you. Um, we have this week's episode, and then next week we'll continue with part two. I love the episode because she's open and she's honest. And what I found interesting in the conversation with her, and there's some takeaways from this, but it doesn't matter what profession you're in. The one thing we all have in common is that we've all doubted ourselves at some point. We've all questioned if this is the right career path for us. And if you haven't done that yet, you're going to. Don't worry. It naturally happens. And we've all experienced betrayal and career highs and career lows and things we regret and things we wish we did different. And it just happens, you know, and sometimes you try not to have regrets. Like that's one philosophy. But for the most part, we could all agree no matter what industry you're in, it could be a bumpy road. (laughs) It could be a bumpy road at times. So I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. The only regret I have in this episode with the conversation with Rachel is the fact that We had this Zoom type meeting, you know, she's at her office and I was at mine and we recorded on our podcast, like separate podcast equipment. So she has an audio file and I have one. And then we send it to our editor and then they put them together and then a podcast episode is born. Like that's how it works behind the scenes. So I had taken my audio file and I put it into my little USB adapter for my laptop so I could upload it to my computer and send it to my producer and my editor. And you know, when you put in a USB, it says like, you have to click on it to like safely remove hardware. Like you can't just rip it out. You know what I mean? Like you could end up corrupting files or deleting stuff. Like it's just not good news if you do that. And I wasn't paying attention, but I accidentally like pulled it out of my laptop and I was like, oh shit. And I didn't like click the thing, like safely remove hardware. And when I plugged it back in, the files I had on there, one being the interview conversation I had with Rachel was gone. It was all f-ed up. And I was like, so upset. I was uh, so bummed because I'm like, well, there goes the episode. Like this sucks. Like all I have is Rachel's audio now and I don't have any part of the conversation. So I can't release anything. But then Madison, my producer came through like a little podcast angel that she is. And she said, no, Lo, don't worry. We have the Zoom audio recorded It's up in the cloud. I can take that Zoom audio and put it with this episode. I was like, that's amazing. The only bummer about that is Rachel sounds super crisp and clear. And I sound like a Zoom meeting because, well, it was a Zoom meeting. Um, But regardless, like it's still a great episode. But, you know, I'm just so picky and I want it to be the optimal, perfect sound for you. So the only thing is it sounds like a Zoom meeting on my end. But besides that, you're going to love this episode. It's so good. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did having this conversation with her. So without further ado, let's jump into Zoe with a splash of low, the fashion episode. Hair thinning impacts a lot of us. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. I've been recommending it to my friends and family. I take it. My mama, the queen, takes it. Queen, you love it. Oh, yeah. I recommend it to my hairstylist. I recommend my sister-in-law and even my niece. We range in age from like 22 to 67. They're loving it. Yeah, they are. It's a great Mother's Day gift. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. All right, so I am so excited and thrilled to have today's very special guest. She is a fellow fashion stylist, a curator of design, an entrepreneur, an author, a CEO, a fashion designer, She's the mother of two beautiful boys and a celebrated TV personality starring in five seasons of the Rachel Zoe Project. Her name is synonymous with glamour and bringing the boho chic vibe into the closets of millions of women. She's definitely a pioneer in the fashion industry and a personal role model of mine. So I humbly want to welcome the legendary Rachel Zoe to the Low Life Podcast. Welcome, Queen. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> so much fun. On this yeah, beautiful I, day in LA. 
Yeah, well, it was a little gloomy earlier. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, it's fall. As soon as I see a I little shit, I want to throw coats. I got to be on it. like, I love Rachel, it. I have had a couple opportunities to meet you in my life, but I didn't like take the opportunity to go up and introduce <laughs> myself. I didn't. And this is why. Shut just, up. No, you know why? It wasn't the right. This is the right time. I'm like, it all happens okay. for a reason. <laughs> But I remember I saw you. It was at um, Chateau Marmont years ago. Shocker. And, um, Shocker that I would have yeah. been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like like, an, like a GQ Men of the Year or some, one of those yep. type of events. Yes. But, but yep. like you, you went in like woman on a mission. Like I know you went into like, hello and goodbye. And, <laughs> like, and so I saw you at the ballet and you had your phone. You had a little entourage. I think it was like your friends. Roger was with you. And so I thought, should I go up to her in this moment? But I was like, I know yes. she's probably like on her way. Some, like she's on her way to have like dinner with her family or like, I'm not going to like go up to her and be like, you've really inspired me in my career. Like, you know, Aww. like have that moment. Well, but- first of all, let me just say right there. You should have a, I should have. Yeah, yeah. you should have. You a hundred percent should have. First off. Thank you. Second of all, I was probably on a mission because my mission is usually to go do the do the thing. And, you know, unless I'm having like the best time, I typically am first one to leave most things to get back yeah. to my kids, you know, or Absolutely. or sometimes like I'll have a work dinner nearby. So I'm like kind of trying to support all parties, you know? Yeah. Well, and the, the second encounter was at um, Sunset Tower Hotel. And you were coming- I was going to say, I might have been going to have dinner at Tower or something, but okay. Yeah. And you were coming out of the elevator and I, and it just like, oh my God, and all the glory, like the lights were hitting you and the right, and it's just like this glow, like the blonde, you had, you had like a beautiful coat. And I was like, I took it in. I was like, oh my God, it's Rachel Zell in my head. And then you walk past and I was like, all I got was like a gust of a Lelabo fragrance, perhaps. <laughs> That's what I remember. And I was like, this is amazing. And um, yeah. Oh my God. That, when was that? This was like five years ago. Oh my God. <laughs> I journaled it. I journaled it because I thought this was a special moment. And oh she smells exactly what I hope she'd smell like, oh which is my goodness. Hopes, success and dreams. So you're an that. angel. And by the way, it was probably Tom Ford. Cause that's, I oh, probably like Ford. bathe myself in that to like, keep me motivated. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. But I probably yeah. was, but I probably was Tom Ford, but First of all, that is the sweetest. And I would say, again, you should have said hello because I do. Yeah, I do get some of the the kindest people that come yeah. up to me that I it, I'm I'm such I get super emotional about it. I'm just like, you know, because yeah. I, I think it, I think the reality of it is when you meet like good people and like sort of young people that are excited or somehow you impacted their life in any way, you never don't want to hear that only because you feel like you may have done something right along the way or done something that Mm -hmm. changed the way people approach their own life and maybe like took a little bit of fear out of something that was really scary for them. And I think, you know, as human beings, we dream, but most of the time we don't think our dreams can come true. Right. But we're going to go for it. But sometimes we don't go for it because, you know, our egos are in the way or our, you know, our, our insecurities are in the way or whatever. And so I think for me, you know, very often I'll, I'll get like, you know, incredible people like you that are so successful and, you know, like these stylists that are absolutely killing it now. And they're like, well, I started this because of you or whatever. It's like, you have no idea what that feels like, because that feels like even in those moments where I would be like in tears, or I was just felt so like, burnt out or just felt like, why am I doing this? Or like, da, 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 you know, which was rare why I'm doing it. But there was definitely moments of like, just sheer and utter burnout and exhaustion where I would be like, I can't do this anymore. What is my purpose? What is, you know? Mm. So I think like, for me, it's been really interesting over the last, you know, whatever decade to really meet incredible talent that, you know, whether they're just starting out or whether they're in the middle of making it or whether they're on top of their game, you know, meeting them and them saying, I did this because of you, I, I, I studied you when I was in school or, you know, I followed you since, you know, you start, you know, and all those things you start to realize, like, this was my purpose, right? This was a big part of my purpose, you know? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I I remember this like 2008. So I'm 31 now, I think mentally around 73. Me too, me too. too. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember watching Rachel's O Project, of course, 
and I was in my apartment watching you and, and I'm like, oh my God. And you were talking about your story and everything. And, and I'm seeing this little Polly pocket of a woman that, like with her beautiful outfits. And I'm like, look at this boss go. And I was oh. like, if this girl from like Jersey who worked at like <laughs> nine West in retail psychology background, and is like a force to be reckoned with, like it, I'm like, it, it, gave, it inspired me so much. Cause I'm like, well, I, at the time I was working retail as well. So I thought, wow, this is really cool. And she went a totally different path, you know, than a lot of stylists typically would go. Sure. And, and, uh, and yeah, I feel like you really paved the way. So I, I really um, have always kind of looked at your career and thought, oh, this is really cool. And then when you started, I, I made friends in the industry and now I've been styling for the last decade. So great. Oh yeah. Um, and <laughs> right. <laughs> It's right great. isn't it yeah. <laughs> literal hell Rachel uh, I know. Um, yeah it's the worst uh, by the like, way I've had so many like I said very successful stylists now young probably about your age and and they're they're doing so well but they're literally when I see them they literally like it's almost like they fall on me and they go <laughs> how do I get out? No, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> they're like, but yeah. I love it, but I yeah. love it. I'm like, okay. Okay. I, I do the love industry it. is different. The industry is different. It's very different. Yeah. And well, and this is one thing that I know you've had to navigate and I've also kind of navigated in my own career. Um, but I've noticed as I've, I've grown in, in this business, the Hollywood bubble, it's a, it's a tough one. Hollywood yeah. will chew you up and spit your ass out. And the girl, and the, I've, been, yeah. I've been chewed and spit so many times. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm like, literally, I'm like chewing tobacco. I'm yeah. like, I, I just, I am literally just imagine a baseball player doing that. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen and experienced, you know, clients that have, you know, loyalty is an issue in this business or backstabbing or, you know, there's just distrust. And I've, I've been through the ringer and yeah. you can speak to that just in oh, your yeah. own. Oh my God. It, and I think for my listeners out there, not, I'm talking about the fashion industry, of yeah, course, yeah. but yeah. I will say I've spoken to my friends and colleagues in all different walks of life, all different yeah. industries. There are little monsters amongst every type of job. Yeah, be of course. Backstabbed, whether it be an, uh, an employee, um, you know, an assistant, a boss. Uh-huh. Um, a coworker, anyone uh-huh. like, I uh-huh. mean, it just, it just, you run into just people in life in general. So that being said, yeah. um, I've had to try and navigate that, but I'm, I've seen someone like you do it. It seems effortlessly, you know, but I almost think you're almost like a duck in the way, like ducks appear calm on the lake, but underneath they're just swimming and moving them little legs. That's pretty much, that's pretty <laughs> much it. It's like, you know, listen, I've had an, I've been so lucky because I've been with Roger for now almost 30 years. We've literally yeah. grown up together in our careers. He has slept in rolling racks for most of his life up until, you know, the last 10 years. Like he, wow. it, it's, you know, my, I worked from home and my studio and like, there was just constantly women running around and, you know, like, Roger, do you like this one? Do you like that? You know, it's like, um, yeah. but he has more importantly been, you know, I don't like to use the word rock cause it's so cliche, but he has been the solid, safe foundation for me to crumble on for, mm. uh, I mean, literally since I started my career and, you know, listen, I am very insecure and vulnerable, like everyone else, you know, but I loved my job. I still love my job. My job just has so many different iterations now and so many different, different faces now, I guess is the word. But like, the truth is, is that styling to your point, for me, I loved it more than anything, more than I loved myself, more than it. But until I had children, it was my entire body and being. It was the thing that woke me up and put me to sleep. I thought about it all day and night. I woke up in cold sweats before a photo shoot, you know, with yeah. Brad Pitt and Mario Testino and in Prague, I, I literally was like on the floor of my hotel room in tears. Like if I, if I screw this up, I'm done. You know, it was like, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and by the way, oh, it was yeah. one of the greatest shoots of my life. And, but what I've learned is, and my father, who's very entrepreneurial taught me that, confidence comes with experience. Right. And Mm. I will say I did treat every job as if it could be my last. I was completely, and I, I recently said this on, um, 
you know, Paris's podcast, like, I like to be very honest about the fact that I was not supported growing in my career at all. You know, being the first is not always the best thing because. Oh, no, because it's not it's ever. Not. The and, best thing. No. you know, and the thing is, like, I wasn't trying to, like, prove anything or I wasn't. I just wanted to be great at whatever it was that I was doing. And that's just how I've been in my life about things that I'm passionate about. I have to be great at it, not because someone's pushing me, not because someone's telling me to be, because that is that is what drives me. And I want to ultimately, I'm a people pleaser. And as a stylist, that's really what you are, because you are really needing to make not just your client happy, which of course is first and foremost, but you have to make their people happy too. That's a thing. You have right. to make the, the, the corporate side happy and all of that. So there's a lot of politics that people don't understand about styling. Um, and there's a lot of opinions, but the truth is that the, the hardest part for me, of course, was the pettiness and the backstabbing and the competitive nature. And I, you know, decided that, you know, Roger would always just say to me, look forward, don't look right and left. Look at what you're doing. Don't look at anyone else and what they're saying to you and who they're doing and what they think of you, because you are so kind to everybody. And if people want to hate on you because they just, that's easier for them and that helps them, that's their thing. That's not yeah. your thing. And don't let that bring you down, you know, but yeah. that's hard, you know? And so ultimately for me, the backstabbing wasn't really from my clients. It was really, you know, internal. It was just a lot mm -hmm. of like people that I thought I could trust. You can't, you know, and that's, you know, unfortunately that's business. It happens in every business. I would say in this business, it really does because the way that styling, as you know, is set up is that if you can't be there, you send your team there and that's absolutely, risky. that's, that's a risk. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> that's a risk. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. You know, you get, you, you, you trust people unconditionally. You're, you're most likely going to get, you might, oh, you yeah. might really get hurt from that. And I've and seen I, it time and time again. Yeah. And I'd like to say like, when it happened to me at the beginning of my career, I thought, well, you know what? I'm young, I'm green. Like this happens, sure. you know, of course. But then I've, I have colleagues, friends, you know, 55 years old, 65, and they're like, just happened to me last <laughs> still, week. Still happens. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, that's it never, really never ends. That's why I'm not so, I'm not so shy about it, to be honest, because I think yeah. that it's so important that people learn from it because you have to have your eyes wide open. You just mm -hmm. do. And the minute you hand that key to someone and you give them too much, you have to know what, what that means or what it could mean. Doesn't mean it's always going to mean that, but it really can mean that. And I think there are certain mm. industries that really lend themselves more to it. They're more conducive to the yeah. pettiness and the backstabbing and the client stealing and the, you know, and the money stealing and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, you know, it's, it's good times, but I think if you can look past that and, you know, I kept going for a while because I really genuinely loved it. And I think after a while, I sort of, you know, started to kind of phase out of styling because my other jobs really started to take over my life and my focus. And for me, styling was something that I genuinely, I'm so passionate about it. It will always be who I am. It will always be at my core, but I can't do it half. I can't do it 50%. It's a hundred percent or nothing or a thousand percent or nothing. It's something that I have to pour my heart and soul into. And a friend of mine just called me to see if I would come out of quote unquote styling retirement to work with one of their clients <laughs> for a big, like, you know, she's having a really big year. And I was like, let me, mm. let me sleep on it. Let me, yeah. let me, let me think about it. Yeah. Sleep on it. And the answer is probably no, no, I have no idea. Think about it a little bit. But I will say one thing I love about the way that you do business is you have a real hands-on approach. And I think that uh, you are a perfectionist in every sense of the word. You have a definite aesthetic, <laughs> and which, which I love. I mean, you've branded yourself in such a way that now it's, it's a lifestyle, the Rachel Zoe lifestyle. And I love to see how you've diversified your business and you're an author and you have an amazing website. The Zoe Report, I'm sure my listeners are very familiar with it. There's some really great trends. And again, it's all built around lifestyle. Yeah. As, as I saw you transition from the role of a stylist who's so hands-on into now different ventures. And I mean, at one point you had like the show, you're doing mm -hmm. style. It was just a lot. Rachel's pulled in like freaking, like six or seven directions, you That's know, 
and we're just, I'm just speaking professionally. We're not even talking about like, oh, she has babies and a husband and like a family. Like there's a lot happening here. So when it comes to diversifying your business, the one thing that I'm, I'm curious how you did the, the letting go part, the letting go mm-hmm. process, because if you're so hands-on and for example, you're sending an assistant to style a client or you can't be present at a final reading or something sure. for whatever, how are you letting that part go? Are you, was that like a major struggle for you? Actually, yes, it really was. It actually wasn't until I had my first son that I could let go really Mm. because you have to. And when I had my first son, I actually wanted to, and I wasn't actually sure how I was going to do that. I literally kept thinking to myself, I just remember holding my son in my arms. He was like, I don't know, three days old. And I remember taking him home and, and like waking up the next morning in my room and going, Oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do this life and this, because I love this little six and a half pound thing more than I could love anything on this planet ever, forever. And I couldn't wrap my head around how I was going to do my life in all honesty. And so I think it really took me a full year, as Roger says, to like get my head out of my you know what? I just like, I literally, I was very hard. I was almost like walking around in a fog. Like it was sort of like, you know, I think in my mind, I was going to like have this baby kind of hand it over to like my mom and dad and like get on a plane and travel with my clients and like da da da. And I could not let go of him. And I literally just, my whole life turned upside down. And I, it took me a beat to kind of figure out how to do this now. Right. So with that, what ended up happening was I ended up becoming so much more efficient with my time um, and figuring out how to make my life work without ever leaving my son, without, (laughs) um, without missing a beat with work. And so what I decided was to kind of blend the two and just bring him everywhere I went. And I don't think I left him. I think I left him for 24 hours to go to this big, like Neiman Marcus appearance for my collection. And I remember fully having a panic attack in the hotel room. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the worst (laughs) mother. I'm the worst mother. Like it was, it's really hard. And I think, you know, any parent that has a child, it is when they are career people, it is, I have to say by far and away, the biggest challenge of all because you feel guilt on both sides. Um, And it wasn't until I had my second son that I really kind of figured out how to do it. Because when you have your second or your third or whatever, you kind of realize it's okay. They don't know you're gone. They don't know the difference between an hour and six, you know, and, but I still even, I mean, as I sit here now for me, everyone was like, how'd you survive? Like quarantine, did you? And I was like, honestly, I never had to leave my kids. Yeah, survived and thrived. That was the magical part of it. And I was so focused on my work and I was so, but I could focus on them a hundred and my work a hundred because I wasn't traveling. I wasn't driving. I wasn't, you know, so anyway, the truth is, is I think, I think doing all of those things, it's a time and a place. Um, I know where my focus has to be. I know who I can trust in my life and who I can't. I can tell you that I am very untrusting of new people, of people, even if they work with me, I don't let them into my world the way I did. I have people that have worked by my side for eight years, nine years, seven years that literally are my family that you know who they are. You know what I mean? And I should have known before. And now I know, you know, and I, you know, there's, there's signs. That's a thing. There are signs and it takes you getting hurt to know the signs. And that's okay. I think it made me, it really helped me be who I am and have a thicker skin and be more guarded with people I should be, you know? Oh yeah. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. It sucks in the moment. Really bad. Yeah. (laughs) Sure (laughs) does. Really bad. Really bad. But you are, you you are right though. I will say though, you do have to try and be Mm -hmm. strong and Again, I think as a parent, you, and, and to be honest, as a parent and a CEO, there are a lot of, uh, overlaps. There's a lot of parallels as to how you have to be, you know? And I think with the pandemic, when that happened, we would hold like our all hand company meetings every, we did every Monday and every, I think Thursday for the first several months to connect with everybody. 
And we didn't know if this, the world was falling. We didn't, we, who knew anything, right? Yeah. I think at one point it was like in three months, this should be fine. In four in a month, by summer. Not, right. Yeah. But me being my Virgo self, to be honest, I said, it's a full year or more before life is normal. I, I set myself for that, <laughs> but the truth is I would get on stand up like, you know, you got to lead and you got to lead with positivity. You got to lead with strength. You got to lead with, without fear. And then if you're scared, you show that to you, you show that to your closest and that's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm. But if people see the leader being scared and if your kids see the mom being scared or the dad being scared, that's when fear really happens. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I will say just to your career, I'm so curious to know with all the different forms of success that you've had, there are different types of career highlights, but I'm mm-hmm. so curious, which is one highlight you're like, you know what, Lo, this one really did it for me. And I'd want to get one mistake where you're like either a red carpet moment that you're like, oh God, I hope that doesn't come up. Like whether it was like an Hervé Lachey bandage dress or something, or um, I don't know if you have any style regrets, but also um, your biggest highlight and one regret. I would say highlight, you know, I would say, I mean, I I really have had in hindsight, you know, I don't think I realized it while it was happening because I was really focusing on the work. Yeah, It's hard to really put one highlight because there's the highlight of the moments where you want to cry of like a beautiful moment, you know, like the one that sort of launched my career in, in Hollywood, which was like my Jen Garner moment or a Keira Knightley moment or something like that. You know, oh, Jen I Garner remember Valentino, that. Narcissus, right? Was that Narcissus? Well, Narcissus oh. was my first Hollywood moment, but the one that really launched my styling career in Hollywood was the, mm-hmm. the Carl, like one shoulder Valentino. Um, yep. and it did because it was a risk, but it was so loved on all sides that it was something. And Jen like never felt more beautiful. So that like on all sides, that was, that was a a highlight. But then I would say for me, like probably going to Prague for a couple of weeks and working with Brad Pitt on a number of shoots and really, really just loving the sort of creative process and working with, you know, Stephen Klein or Mario Testino. And in those moments where you kind of, they're terrifying in the moment. And then you kind of step back a few years later and you're like, did that happen? It did happen. Right. And he was yeah. actually the nicest guy. And he really was. It really was the coolest. Destino was? Because he's, he's kind of known as Mario's being a bit great. of an asshole. Uh, him, uh, Mario, I worked with several times. <laughs> and and same with um, Patrick. And I mean, I've I've worked with, you know, Matt Marcus and all, all of my favorite photographers in the world. Stephen yeah, No, Mario's names. not an asshole. He's wonderful. He's charismatic and funny. Yeah. Um, no, i sorry. I meant Brad, who is uh, m- oh, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Pitt. Um. <laughs> He's wonderful yeah. and kind and normal, whatever normal yeah. is, but normal. He's a guy. He's just like a cool guy um, yeah. and kind to everybody. Um, so he was lovely. But, you know, I think there's those moments that life feels um, terrifying in the moment. And then afterwards, you're like, that was so much fun. And what an amazing experience. And I would say a regret, you know, I wouldn't give a specific name, but I would say there was maybe two moments that I can think of where we loved the dress. It was extraordinary. I still love it. It was by favorite designers. They were magnificent. And maybe the mainstream kind of media didn't understand the dress, but the fashion press loved it. And I never really got tangled up in that, but it did start to get. And one of the things that drove me out of styling was having to have that conversation with my clients constantly. Like, yes, we love this. This is because they would be like, Rachel, what's your choice? What's your favorite? And I would say, well, this is my favorite, but just so you know, there, there's a good chance that the media will not love this one the most. And they might, you might get some heat from it and that's up to you. And some clients would be like, I don't give a shit. This is my favorite and I don't care what people say. And that's obviously the beautiful moment. Right. And then yeah. there's the moments where they'd say, no, 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 I can't take that. I can't take like being attacked for my dress. So I, I, you know, that was definitely a moment for me where, you know, that started to really hinder the sort of like creative magical process that you create those magic moments, you know, those, yeah. those really, those, those moments that aren't 
like the safe choice, but the most amazing choice, you know? Yeah. Oh, of course. Have you noticed (laughs) that when you were styling like balls deep in that world, did you notice that I I've seen this in my own career that if if it's a great garment, if it looks amazing, like I, I love the art of fashion design. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, like uh, when I look at someone in an outfit or I'm, I'm choosing an outfit with a client, I'm really not too aware of the label i'm going more on silhouette that's just my the way yeah, i can plan it out of course but but i will best, say that best dress should win yeah yeah <laughs> but i will say that there are a lot of of uh, especially younger hollywood actresses oh they and, want the label they want and the it label. doesn't matter if it's no. a trash bag no they want the label 100 yeah. <laughs> oh more more often than not more often than not yeah and it does and even if it's like the brand didn't approve you to wear it. Like mm-hmm. you're getting someone else's leftovers point, you know, like yep. even that they're like, yep. I'll take it. Like I want it. And almost because that label will elevate you, which I honestly, it does to an extent, but really no, because if the brand is happy that you're wearing it, well, then they'll promote, they're excited about it. It's a different situation. If you're, you know, getting it at Saks through studio services, it's a different um, vibe. Yes. And also, <laughs> so, and also someone else might show up in it, but, but, I believe also in the climate that we're in, it's so incredible to support new designers and young designers. And ultimately, again, that goes back to one of the reasons I started to phase out was because it became increasingly less about the creative process um, and more about politics. And I was like, you know, there was moments where I was like, why are you hiring me? Like what, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, it, it just started to become more about the designer or the business yeah. or the all yeah of that. i've noticed that. i'm definitely noticing from 10 years ago as to today a total shift in in the way publicists are so they've always been involved but they're even <laughs> more more involved now oh yeah um, with sure. the brands and stuff like sure that are. i i love that you and roger have this beautiful relationship and you've been with roger for oh my god over 20 years right um we are celebrating on August 29th of this summer, 2021, 30 years. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. We met when I was in kindergarten. There it is. Yes. A little child. Bride. I'll die by that. <laughs> yeah, I buy that. I know. Child just, bride. Yeah. Just <laughs> celebrated your 35th birthday. Totally. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Full yeah. stop. Yeah. Coming up September 1, I will be turning 35. Yeah. You've heard it here. Yep. And well, I mean, well, you look fantastic. And I, I I opened it up on Instagram. That's another question. But they're like, what does Rachel Zoe eat? Like, how much water does she drink every day? Like, what's happening? Um, not as Zoe? much as I should. But I would say that I do chug a very large water. You know, those big like flow waters are like the big, yeah. like a liter. I do drink one of those before like 8 a.m. Like, I make oh, sure damn. that I do that. Because if I don't do it, then I probably won't do it. Yeah. For the rest of the day. So I really try and do that. Stay hydrated. Yeah. Get it in first thing in the morning. I think that's the best way to do it. Honestly, my doctor told me the same thing. No, you do. It's very easy to to dehydrate too, especially in LA. Um, And I do get that. So yeah. Well, back to you and Roger, child bride moment, the 30 year marriage that you've had. Well, married in all fairness, I think we're 23, 24 years married, 24 years married and 30 together. But I count our 30th because. It was yeah. our first date and we've never been apart since. So to me, that's the one I celebrate. And our, our actual wedding anniversary was always during fashion week. So I was always at a fashion show for our anniversary. Yeah. And it just yeah. was like, we'd eat dinner at like 11 and we're like, happy anniversary. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've noticed that a lot of couples that have been married for a particular amount of time, and I've read studies about it. And I was talking to my mom about it, actually, because she's been married to my dad for 32 years. Wow. Good. And yeah, they have the cutest little dynamic. And I asked my mom, I said, at what point in the marriage with dad did you finally start to completely 100% without a shadow of a doubt, just trust implicitly? Like you can mm-hmm. fall back and know, like, yeah. there's not an exit plan. This He's my plan. Sure. Is a ride or die moment. And yep. I, I think my mom might have been joking a little, but she's like, 20 years in, that's when it hit me. But like, I I was like, really? Wow. Uh, But for each couple is different. Um, But first part of the question is, when did you have that moment where you're like, okay, especially coming from an industry that's so much betrayal, distrust, (laughs) like, I mean, to be with, uh, and I'm sure you've seen it just with couples in the industry too. It's 
freaking hard. Yes. So first part is when did that moment happen for you? And, and second part of the question is, is it difficult? Because I know Roger and you do a lot of business of not all business together. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot, a lot of people would uh, shy away from that, but I'm going to have you speak to it because you know, yeah. you're the pro here. Well, first of all, that's actually why we Start, launched our podcast works for us because literally mm. there's hardly a day that goes by where whether it's someone we know or don't know it's in person or on social media or while we're traveling someone's like how on earth do you guys <laughs> last because oh. you parent together you co-ceo together we literally do everything together we do I mean, we just do it's like 30 years in we just do we keep finding that we're doing this. We're on a group email with like our team and someone will ask a question, like they'll send an email and then I'll reply totally separate of him. We will literally reply with the exact same answer with the exact same remaining question. It's bizarre actually. Um, but the truth is, so to the answer, the first part, I actually knew right away. I actually knew right away. And wow, I'm going to tell you why. The reason that I actually fell in love with him, which still shocks me to this day I had always, since I was 12, 13, yeah. I dated assholes. I dated the gorgeous assholes. They were <laughs> so good looking. They were the bad kid. They were the biggest assholes. They treated me like shit. Yeah. Um, that's what I was attracted to. And I could tell you all about it. But the reality of it is I dated the wrong guys. I did. Um, I was in love with the wrong guys, just the wrong guys. And um, and this was, you were in college when, when you were dating these guys? This was all through high school, through everything. The most gorgeous guys, the biggest jerks. Um, and sorry to those guys that you know that I'm speaking about, because I love you dearly as friends forever, but not yeah. to date in high school. The chads of the world. The it chads. Just, it just, <laughs> yeah, oh my God. It's always a guy named Chad. I anyway. mean, it's just really not the right guys. And so- What happened to me was I actually got out of a two-year relationship with a guy that actually wasn't a total asshole, but he definitely did not. It was definitely not a guy that I should have married, not for me. Um, He's a great friend, and we're actually still good friends. Um, Really? Yeah, we're still good friends. And and he has two boys and a great wife, and, you know, we're, we're friends. But it just, it didn't work. We were meant to be friends. So we broke up after a while, and I literally went to get this job at a restaurant, And I remember looking at my best friend and roommate and I said, that's it. I am going to be alone. I want to find myself. I want to be alone. I don't want a boyfriend. I want a year by myself. That's it. Independent Rachel. That's it. I want to figure out who I am. I'm sick of this. (laughs) Met him the next day. Okay. (laughs) Um, 30 years later, here we are. Yeah. Um, but the truth is we, we were friends for a bit first, but the reason that I fell for him in all honesty, I was super attracted to his kindness. He was mm. so incredibly kind to everyone around him. And it wasn't something that I had really ever experienced. And I couldn't believe it. Just the way he kind of thought about everyone else, whether it was a friend, a guy friend, a girlfriend, someone he was working with, like whatever. And I was like, wow, I wonder what that yeah. feels like. And long story short, we ended He's up kind. Yeah. And we ended up coming back from the summer and we went out on a date and we were supposed to meet 10 other people and they didn't show up. And it was like the date that never ended. And we ended up literally spending every day together after that. And the truth is, if I could have scripted it, I would have met him in my 20s. You know, I would have met him much later and I would have met him when I was older and then got married and da da da, like all probably five, seven years later than I did but I knew well enough to know that he was the one. And I knew that he was someone that I could be my 100% self guard down and safe person. I knew he was my safe person. He was rooting for me. He never felt competitive with me. He was, I, I was building my career. I was running around with the most gorgeous celebrity guys on the planet when I was in my twenties, all around New York, Miami, Europe. I mean, you name it. He didn't care. He was like, you do you. He was like, you do you. Like he was investing banking. He's like, you do you. If they can get you, they can have you. And you know, Uh (laughs) by the way, it worked. So for all you jealous people listening, it doesn't work. When you project that onto your partner, it, it doesn't work. It actually pushes them away. 
Some so, people like a little of the jealousy in the relationship. Like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Did you crave a little of that from your past? Because you're like, oh, I missed no. the asshole vibe. No. no? <laughs> he, listen, don't get me wrong. He was not a pushover. And he's yeah. really not a pushover. I can tell you that. So, I mean, he was more so then than he is now. But I think it's just life. So life just becomes the stakes are higher. We're more stressed. We have, you know, we have a company and kids and life and school, you know. So the answer is, there isn't a day, and I speak about this a lot on my podcast, is that what works for us is there has never been a day or a minute or an hour where I did not trust him. There has never wow. been a minute where he walked out the door and I thought about, where is he really going? Because the minute that happens, I'm so gone. And, mm -hmm. and it's never happened. That's not in his DNA, the same way it's not in my dad's DNA. There are those guys and there are not those guys. I think you are that person or you're not that person. Sure. Um, you know, so in terms of that, I knew right away. And I, and ultimately that had a big, you know, it was a big part of the reason I chose to really stay with him forever because I was very young. I was still like growing up in life, in my career, but yeah. I, I didn't want to lose him. That was the thing. I was smart enough to know I didn't want to lose him. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Low Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Ms. Rachel Zoe. We have the second part of the convo coming in hot next week for you. All right, we're 32 episodes in and I'm shook. I really am because I just, in my head, think like, I remember when I started this podcast and I was like, okay, let's see what happens when I get to episode 15. And my dad made a joke. He's like, once they figure out what a weirdo you are, like they'll keep listening. You're going to lose your listeners. Like, <laughs> I was like, you're probably right. Like, you're going to be like, this guy's a nut but you're still here. Keep showing up to the shit show. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. And I just appreciate you so much. My low lifers really though, um, I wouldn't have the show. I wouldn't be able to do a free show and continue to put in the work and I love doing it, but I couldn't do it without you. So I just want to say thank you. And I say it all the time, how it's so important to leave a review and comment and subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcasts, because that's how we keep this little engine that could or could at times we keep it going because of you um, taking the time to leave a comment uh, review on Apple Podcasts. So anyway, it doesn't have to be a long review. It could be just an emoji. Pick whatever emoji you like. It could be a little dick emoji, eggplant. You could throw an ice cream cone, perhaps a little thumbs up sign, or you could actually write a review as many as you want. The more, the better. But I just want to say thank you for doing that because. It's really making a difference, and I just appreciate it so much. I read every single uh, review on the podcast, and they're all just so kind, and I appreciate each and every single one of you because I know you got a choice. Like There are thousands of podcasts out there. If you're taking the time to sit over here at the Low Life Podcast, <laughs> then um, I just want you to know that you are appreciated, you are loved, and you are beautiful. So thank you for that. I want to shout out some of my Low Life listeners who have taken the time to actually leave a comment uh, review on the podcast. This is a shout out to you special putas who are just keeping our show afloat. All right, first one up, we're going with C.C. Lewis 121. All right, C.C. Lewis, I don't know if you're male, female, just going to say you unicorn. The unicorn wrote, I'm so happy that Lo finally came out with his own pod. It's meeting all my expectations for laughs and realness. I'm looking forward to all the upcoming pods. And I love that C.C. Lewis updated and wrote 5321. Update, still obsessed. <laughs> this podcast is my favorite to listen to these days. I'm so glad it's your favorite. Thank you for taking the time to write that. All right, the next one is from Sandlin J. Yeah, Sandlin J. Sandlin J writes, healing after losing a pet, five stars. Thank you so much for that episode about healing after losing your pet. Dookie sounds like he was such a good boy. I lost my dog, Calvin, three weeks ago. Hardest thing I've ever experienced, and I miss him so much. This episode was very helpful in dealing with my feelings and emotions. Thank you, Lo. Big hug. Oh, it's so sweet. I'm so sorry that you lost Calvin. That sucks, and I feel you on that one, and it's not easy. Um, but I will say what has helped me besides building a shrine to Dookie in my living room is <laughs> is uh, just trying to do good things for people. Like that helps me in some sort of way, like going to visit friends and helping people out. And I helped one friend move and it was just like a good distraction for me. And 
kind of took my mind off of being home and stuff. So I hope you're going to be okay. And I'm sending all my love to you. And I know that Dookie and Calvin are hopefully hanging out, drinking from the same water bowl, eating treats in doggy heaven together right now. All right, next one comes in from Katie Gresk. It's K-A-T-I-G-R-E-S-K, Katie Gresk. She writes, Lo, I love you. You are pure happiness and bliss. Short and sweet, Katie. And that's very sweet of you to say. I try to be happiness and bliss too. I really do. Sometimes there's some depression sprinkled in there. But, you know, for the most part, I'm trying to be a light up in this world. So again, Katie, thank you for being a light for this podcast and leaving a review. I appreciate you. All right. And one more from Brittany Pace. It's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-P-A-C-E. Pace? Or could it be Pache? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go with Pace, but like kind of love if it's Pache. All right. She writes, your podcast feels like home. Oh, that's so sweet. Having a bad day? Listen to Low. It's going to cheer you up and fill your heart with laughs and love you never knew you were missing. Brittany Pache. I love you, you little pache puta. That's the sweetest thing to say. And like, I totally get what you mean with like a podcast feeling like home. And that's my goal. Like, I want this to be a super comfortable place for people because I mean, home is where the heart is. And I'm definitely putting my heart and soul up into this podcast and just laying it all on the line. So thank you for that sweet, beautiful review. And I appreciate you. I hope you guys have a great weekend ahead. Maybe treat yourself to a little trashy sangria, the low lifer sangria especial. <laughs> you might end up loving it, you know, or just have a nice drink, but don't forget to drink your water, puta, because I know you're thirsty. I love you and I'm out. We keep it moving, yeah, we do.